Today, we get to hear from our guest, whose goal from the fourth grade was to make a Division I basketball team. And now he's done exactly that. He had an amazing, amazing basketball career. He's a 40, 50, 90 guy, which you'll hear all about today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru Podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What is up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson, here on the show, bringing you new guests every single week as we get to learn their stories and uh, learn from them. It's going to be amazing, and today's no different. Before we get started, though, i got to give the housekeeping items out of the way. Hit that subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have an iPhone or any, any Apple device, for that matter, make sure to give me a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how we get the show to grow so that our guests can be heard in all places, including all 90 plus countries that we're in right now. So make sure to get the reviews on there so we can continue with the growth of the show. Today's a special opportunity for me, guys, as I'm, you know, speaking with an amazing guest who's representing the state of Idaho in the right way. Uh, we don't get a lot of love over here for our high school athletes, and that's what we're trying to, to change here, um, getting the exposure that they deserve. And this, this guest has quite the story, um, has done an amazing job and is now going to be playing at the division one level here out of Idaho. And so we're going to talk to him about that, where he's going and all about his career. His name's lawyer Driggs. So lawyer, thanks so much for joining us, brother. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So Laura, you play for Thunder Ridge. Uh, even the guys in high school, I was talking to some guys around here uh -huh. um, about Thunder Ridge. And they had no idea where it's at. So give us a little bit of a breakdown for those, especially not even just in Idaho, but those who are listening around the world, especially sure. in the U.S. Where is Thunder Ridge and what's the city like that it's located in and, and what's it like in this area? So Thunder Ridge is in Idaho Falls, Idaho, which is located in the southeast, about three hours away from Salt Lake. Um, it's a brand new school. We were created like three years ago. Uh, it split Bonneville and Hillcrest. And so it just combined uh bonneville and hillcrest uh kids um and idaho falls is great i mean i'm pretty sure it's the second biggest city in idaho right now behind boise so it's it's pretty good over here we have five high schools in the area so it's great competition a lot of people it's fun so and talk to me about this uh for thunder ridge it's relatively new just a few years old but what um division are you in yeah in idaho we go 1a through 5a 5a being the largest what division are you guys in yeah we're we're 5a so we're the out of the five schools in idaho falls where there's two 5a schools idaho falls high school and thunder ridge high school so we're the highest one um we are the biggest school in population wise in idaho falls as well it's crazy so it's a new school but it's a big school yeah um it's it's nice too. It's one of the nicest school, if not the nicest school in the state. I mean, the weight room's insane. Our basketball court, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's black. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's legit. The school's three stories. We have elevators around it. It's it's insane. 
Yeah, man, it's it's like something out of a movie. And I want to talk about that for your guys' basketball court because people didn't realize that when I was t- telling them, I'm like, dude, no, their court's like a weird color. So yeah. talk to me about that. Like, it's not a traditional, it's 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 like dark and it's kind of cool. So talk to us about that. Like, were you excited as a, as a player being able to like, oh. when you saw that color scheme coming out? Absolutely. I remember going into my sophomore year, me and my buddies, we all knew we were going to Thunder Ridge. And then like the rumor was like, oh, we might have a black court. And so we didn't know. And then pictures got leaked at the school and it was like grayish black. And we were all so pumped up for it. We're like, this is going to be so tight. Um, but people are like, I think like this is going to mess us up like during the games with like the three point line and stuff. And not at all. Once you get on, it's just regular. But yeah, it's 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 sweet. I mean, the first year was awesome for the for the program and for the court. It was it was it was interesting for sure. Yeah, see, that's one of the things as a as an athlete myself, you know, I I always liked certain venues, uh, depending on how their court was structured, if they had anything cool. But I looked at Thunder Ridge and I thought about that too. I was like, you know, I wonder mm-hmm. if it's sort of like um, Oregon, Oregon's basketball court, yeah. kind of like, you know, it's kind of cool. And I asked Justinian Jessup about this once on the show, and he was like, you know, it does kind of throw you off a little bit because the trees are like, you know, but once you get out there, you're just playing; it's normal. So I guess that's the same what you just said. It's like once you get out there, it's actually just part of the game. Um, it's sick. I thought it was cool. So a lot of people around here in Idaho didn't even realize the school one existed and two, they didn't know what I was talking about when I was trying to tell them about the color scheme. I'm like, you know, it's yeah. sick that you guys got good colors. So like, it's like, it's not only the, that, but I think your jerseys are pretty sick too. Like you guys have a good color scheme, like look good, feel good, play good. So, I mean, obviously oh, that played into it, right? You guys got a little bit of a swag to you. Yeah, absolutely. They have the nice Nike dry fit jerseys. Our football team is pretty decked out as well. Like it's the color scheme is great. I mean, now I, I was excited about that. I, I went to Hillcrest my freshman year and we were red, black and white, just pretty basic colors. And then you go over the thunder and you have the black core and the blue. It's just like, it's, it's a different vibe. It's awesome. Yeah. So we got some swag over here in Idaho. So for yeah, anybody absolutely. listening, yeah, we, we got some swag. So lawyer, you mentioned that though. You, you, you played for a different school your freshman year. And obviously this was a new school coming in. What was the decision? Was it just simply based on where you lived or did you make a decision to, you know, consciously so, go over to Thunder Ridge? So being in, um, so going my freshman year to Hillcrest High School, uh, once you've attended the school, you actually had a choice if you could go to Thunder Ridge or stay at Hillcrest. Um, the kids below are like in middle school. If they lived in the boundaries, they had to go to, you know, the certain school they wanted. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a huge decision. I was debating if I should stay or not just because, you know, I've already played basketball there. I played JV basketball my freshman year. And then I actually went and met the coaches at Thunder Ridge and they had a little coaches meeting and I just, the vibe was great. Like coach Tolson, he was, he's a great guy and he helped me and he was like a player's coach. And he was like, yeah, I'll get you guys in the gym. Like I'll always keep it open. And that was huge for me. Like player development was huge because like at some other high schools, like at Hillcrest, I was tending like, the, the coach wasn't really opening up the gym, wasn't really training players in that way. And so I felt like I would become a better player. And um, Coach Tolton's way of, like, it's more modern, dribble drive and stuff. So I was like, I think I would flourish in that system and ended up making a great decision. So here I am now. Heck yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's actually really cool to hear just kind of the backstory of that as well. Um, just knowing how you got over there. Let's, let's rewind the clock real quick, lawyer. Like, rewinding it back obviously we're talking to you for a reason on the show because you've got some big things coming which we will get to here in just a little bit but um 
let's talk about your your history in sports, right? I want to talk to you about you as an athlete growing up. Like, how long have you been playing basketball for? And yeah. did you play multiple sports growing up as well? Yeah, I did. So I started playing basketball when I was nine. So I moved here. I lived in Uruguay. So I lived. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, crazy. I was born in Vegas. I moved to St. George and I lived there for five years until I was uh, seven. And then we moved to Uruguay uh, just because my dad bought land out there. And so I was out in South America, always playing soccer. And um, we were kind of like a soccer family in that way, going to soccer games because basketball wasn't big in, in Uruguay. So we we go out there and everywhere you go in Uruguay, there's soccer fields like it's that's the sport. I mean, in in Europe, that's their sport. South America, soccer. That's the thing. Um, then I we ended up moving to Idaho. Uh because my mom, she had family and stuff out here and wanted to be close to family. And that's when I, my dad put me in like a, a rec league thing and got us started young. So when I was nine and then I grew up playing baseball, little league and baseball was my favorite sport for a while. I wanted to pursue that. And then fourth grade came around and you know, when you're a kid, like seasons come and you're like, Oh, this is my favorite sport. And then football season comes and you're like, this is my favorite sport. And then yeah. basketball season, like that's how I was. Um, and so I played great kid football as well. I played great kid football till sixth grade and I got a concussion. Um, so I ended up had to stop playing, but then I, I, I was telling, uh, AJ that, uh, in fourth grade, I told my parents, I wanted to play division one basketball. And that was like my thing. I wanted to do it. I just fell in love with basketball. And so I really like put my mind to it and started getting on travel teams. And, you know, that was my, that was my decision. D1, D1 basketball. That's that's what I want to do in life. And that's always been my dream. So that's that's kind of where it started. Wow. So we got to unpack a little bit there, too. Um, listeners know this, but I'm not sure if you do. I, I lived in Brazil for two years. I served a church mission down there. Okay, yeah. So like, And I was like really close. I was in the southern part of Brazil, which was Santa Catarina, which is near uh, like Porto Alegre as well. So we, we actually had a lot of you know, Uruguay influenced uh, yeah. from, from down there because they were only, you know, one state below us, basically. Uh -huh. And so anyway, so I got a lot of that. And obviously I got the Brazilian culture, South American culture of, of soccer and got to see just how crazy that is. Down. It, it's a it, whole new world. It really <laughs> is. Like people, people in the States, like, you know, they kind of hate on soccer a little, but nah, it's soccer, you know, but like, it gives you a different type of like love for the game for soccer. Like I still watch soccer and I still enjoy like watching highlights and stuff because like when you're around it, you're like, okay, this is, this is cool. Oh yeah. You know, oh yeah. Like, it's, it's a whole nother world. Down. It's it a religion. Be, it, it really is. People are like, oh cool. So it's like American football here. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's to another degree over there. Like, oh, I mean, I'm I waking mean, up at like three in the morning in my apartment because international and Grêmio just had a, freaking massive rivalry game and they won and they're just like the streets are flooded with everybody yeah. I'm like yeah i mean this is this is a whole different ball game man <laughs> riots and everything it's yeah, crazy remember, so it's cool go ahead go ahead no i remember i was my dad took me to a soccer game and um there's this team called Penarol and national they're like the two rivals and uh in uruguay and people would literally poop on the side of the stairs because they didn't want to miss the game and then run back in. Like, he would, like, cover my eyes. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, people are crazy here. See that, <laughs> dude? Those are life experiences that you need, though. Yes. So you have a different perspective on it, right? Yes. But it was it was amazing. Like, scoring a goal in soccer is just insane. As a fan, you're just going crazy. And I couldn't even imagine the player. 
it's just awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of anticipation. I'm glad that you have a little bit of that uh, perspective on it, I guess. Uh, it's really cool. Guys, allow me to take a second and tell you about Sports Epreneur. Now, as an entrepreneur myself and a massive sports fan, this is the perfect platform for someone like myself and a lot of you guys out there. It's a content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Collaboration and content marketing for the entrepreneur with a sports passion, just like me and you. I connected with their founder a couple of years back, and I'll tell you guys, we have a massive connection through sports and entrepreneurship, and he's just an amazing guy, and their team is absolutely incredible. The team at Sports E creates content for you and with you. Their content, which lives at sportse.io, includes stories like the missteps of the NCAA, an in-depth article on esports, and how to bring people together, which is also one of my favorite things because I always tell you guys, sports bring people together. Now, Sports E also... Uh, features amazing guests on their podcast, including Thad Mata, AJ Vaynerchuk, and Colin Jones. So be sure to subscribe to their podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And here's the thing. The team at SportsE thinks that every entrepreneur that is willing should have their own content platform, and they want to help make that happen. So if you're an entrepreneur that's looking to start a podcast or build a website, write blog posts, or design social media posts, then you have to reach out to the team at SportsE. They make content creation accessible. SportsEpreneur the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Learn more at sportse.io or connect with the founder on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz. That's E-R-I-C underscore K-A-Z. Yeah. Um, so you went there, you had that influence in your life, came to Idaho, fourth grade, you made the decision like, hey, I'm going to play division one basketball. I'm yeah. going to get there. Like that's my goal in life. So you've been putting in work ever since and we, we touched base, you know, on on your high school, kind of just getting into Thunder Ridge. But you just you just said uh, some travel teams, so you yeah. were playing with the club circuits. You know, talk to us about your experience playing it on travel teams because I'm currently coaching. I, I help coach AJ, like Coach AJ coaches at the same club that I coach for yeah. at Idaho Premier. And uh, when I was in high school, I graduated '06. Uh, we only had two clubs in Idaho, and one was Idaho Select, and one was Boise Flight, and that was it. Like we didn't have anything. Now it seems like there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, and we were behind the times in Idaho with that, big time. Like For every sure. other, every other state had these AAU circuits and club circuits just going everywhere, and they were developing their players. And I always thought, like, hey, if we can get that, that's huge for players because they get reps and exposure. I want your thoughts on it, though, on how that's helped you develop as an athlete. Oh, I mean, it's helped tremendously. I think people think they're good, and they're, like, playing their little small town, and then you go play AAU basketball, and you're playing against kids from Illinois, New York, and you really open your eyes, and you're like, dang, like, I need to get better. And so I think, like, I wasn't used to, like, the physicality, because AAU is physical, and I was just some skinny, like, little white kid, and I didn't really understand, and I had the skills, but I wasn't really, like, had the had the killer I've always had that competitive mindset, but I really think it clicked in AU where I was like, I don't want to be embarrassed. And so like that pushed me to work harder and it developed my game guarding these guys and them guarding me and just being around great athletes and great competition all the time, always entering, you know, the highest level of, of the tournament platinum division and just playing against those guys. And, and then once you get to, you know, you start, you start working, you start killing literally and you're like, okay, like I can play with these people. Like this guy's like ranked or whatever. And I'm, I'm over here busting them. So it's like, it gives you uh, some good self-confidence going forward. And that helped me tremendously in my game was AAU basketball. People, people don't really understand how, how important that is. And, and you're playing a lot of games too. You're, you're getting better. You're learning more game like situations. So 
when high school season comes around, you've played like 50 games. So this isn't new. Right. See, that's one of the things I love is, is you get the reps. And yeah, it's it's a little different. It's a little different pace because you're not running a ton of sets that you would be running mm-hmm. in a high school game or even at the collegiate level. Sure. But you are getting the athleticism that you have to go against and you still have to defend somebody and you have to learn how to lock on to somebody that might be, he might outweigh you by 30 plus pounds and he might be three or four inches taller than you and just as athletic and can move. But you got to figure out ways to to have leverage on the guy and how to stick yeah. the guy and and use your your stuff to your advantage and try to hold your own and it's it's a lot of good things that and, and I love that you said this where it's if you have the right mentality, I feel that the athletes that have the right mentality, they have the right mentality in the sense of like they can be honest with themselves, like, okay, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But I can get there, but I'm not there yet. And and rather than letting it tear them down, I think club ball has a little it's it's like a double-edged sword. It can tear some kids down because they realize, like, oh man, we're like way behind and I've only got a couple of years till I graduate. Yeah. Some kids have that mentality and they just kind of completely crumble. And others have your mentality where it's like, okay, I gotta work. I'm not there yet, but I gotta work. And now I know what I need to do to get there. And so it's kind of cool that way. And it's cool to see that it it, it helped you in in your uh progression. So yeah. As you get, let's, let's flash forward a little bit more. Now we get over to Thunder Ridge. I want to talk about your first two years at Thunder Ridge because it was a new school uh-huh. this year. Your name started popping out a lot more and, and it was because, you know, you're putting up ungodly numbers, which was insane. Um, it was really cool to watch, but I want to talk about the first two years and your experience there because your guys' record wasn't like amazing, but talk to us about what that was like being there. new program. Now you're starting to kind of get your feel and trying to make your mark. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Later. So first year, my sophomore year. Um, I remember our first game was versus Blackfoot High School. And, you know, coming over to a new school, you're not going to have a lot of seniors. Um, I mean, we had three starting sophomores on our roster when I was a sophomore. And then we had a junior and one senior. And the senior came over from Bonneville. And they weren't like your, your, your typical senior who's, you know, started for a year or maybe two years, they, they played JV as a junior and they, you know, they wanted more playing time. So they came over to a new school because seniors want to stay with their tradition. They've gone to the same school for three years. They're just going to stay it out. Right. So we had like three seniors on their team. One of them didn't make the team. So like, it was a bit raw. And so people didn't really expect us to, you know, win any games or a couple of games. And so we played Blackfoot high school and, um, I remember fouling first like three minutes of the game. I got two fouls and I was like, dang, like I was a sophomore first varsity game. And I sat like the whole first half and we're down by like 20. Then I come out second half and I just hit the zone and I had 23 points in the second half. We still ended up losing, but I think that like really clicked for me. And then I was like, dang, like varsity basketball really isn't that like hard as people say it is. Like I'm competing with these guys like it's nothing. And like obviously coming up to that, I worked very hard and stayed in the gym uh, going into my sophomore year. Um, but yeah, it was tough. We ended up winning nine games. Um, we went nine and 14. We went two and out in the district tournament. And it, it was rough. I mean, sometimes, you know, we would get annoyed because, you know, not as much students would come to our game because there wasn't much tradition at Thunder Ridge. It's brand new school. People would still show up in their their Hillcrest. Like, <laughs> you would show up to school wearing <laughs> their old Hillcrest or Bonneville gear, and like coaches would have to constantly say, like, you can't be wearing that. Like, this is a new school. Like, we need to start our own tradition, and you have to wear Thunder Ridge gear. And people just like didn't really care because it was it was weird. And I mean, it sucked. It sucked for sure. But as you like adapted more to it, 
it was it started to started to wear on you. Um, junior year, um, we went ten and fourteen as well. Uh, I I missed ten games, nine or ten games my junior year. I actually broke my ankle. So yeah, that's that's that was one of like my biggest source for motivation was going into my senior year. It's like my junior year. Um, I wanted my I had goals of winning player of the year and we were supposed to be really good. Um, my junior year we had, you know, everybody returning about except the seniors and but then I broke my ankle and you know, with high school basketball, if you have a starter out, uh it's not that good. And then our other starter, he broke his foot. So two of us were out like half of the season. So our record really didn't show like how how good we actually could be. So it was kind of like just a rough year. Um a teammate on our um, my teammate, his dad died too. So like, it was just a rough season. There's nothing like really, you know, gradually came and um, that was a rough one. And yeah, like I said, I broke my ankle and, and that was, no, everybody kind of forgot about Thunder Ridge and me and we were supposed to have a big year that year. And So going into my senior year, that was a huge source of my motivation just to be like, I want people like to know who I am again. Cause my sophomore year, I put up decent numbers for a sophomore and you know, had some hype going into it and it just kind of fell off because, you know, I broke my ankle. And so people kind of forgot. You know, that's interesting because, okay, so as you're talking, I actually was pulling up an old article from IdahoSports.com. I think Brandon, yeah. I can't remember his last name. He was the one who wrote it. Um, and it was reminding me because you had mentioned breaking your ankle um, and adversity had hit, right? You had, you had faced some adversity in your life um, mm -hmm. and, some big time adversity. You even mentioned a teammate who went through something similar. Talk to us about that because a lot of athletes don't realize that when you're in high school, you have enough pressure as it is. Right. And for you lawyer, you said, yeah, people have forgotten you and they know you as the athlete, uh, maybe mm -hmm. from, the from the outside, but I want to get to know you a little bit deeper as a human being. Talk to us about some of the adversity that you faced throughout your high school career out you know, you had an injury. And then if you don't mind kind of share, even if you don't have to give details, but just kind of what happened to you and your family, yeah, how you overcame that. So, yeah, when I was 15, I was a freshman in high school right before our uh, our our season started. My dad actually passed away. Um, so he had a heart attack and you know, that was that was really rough. Uh, I was angry all the time and and negative and but it was it just sucked because you know, my parents were divorced at the time, but me and my dad were super close and he instilled the love of the game for me. Um, that was a huge thing for me, and uh, yeah, it's kind yeah, of a gotcha. sensitive subject, but um, yeah, I gotcha. But yeah, he would always rebound, and he helped me a lot, and, and it still haunts me to this day that you know he never got to watch any of my high school basketball games, and he's always always been a source of motivation for me because he knew I loved the game, and so I play a lot for him, and I actually wear number one. Uh, my dad died on november 1st so i wear that number for him just to remember him and before every game i'll rub it and touch up to the sky so you know that's that's something that a lot of people may not know and that's and i'm, I'm grateful that you were willing to share that because you're talking about your high school career and you're going through so much stuff like that's not just something you get over you never get over that no but you learn to you know find ways to adapt and, and try to continue moving forward and then not to mention, then you go through a physical injury, which is like it, two years later or whatever, you, you break your ankle. Okay, listen, guys, like this is crazy. So, lawyer, you break your ankle. You've gone through a traumatic experience, you know, losing your dad and, and someone who was super, super close to you. 
you know, now you're trying to rebuild over here and you're building this program over at Thunder Ridge, you break your ankle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Breaking your ankle as an athlete and someone like yourself, who's an, like an athletic guy, somebody who, you know, relies heavily on their athleticism and trying to get shifty and get open shots. That can be a problem. And yeah. It limits you. And so I want to hear about how, you know, mentally that can completely destroy an athlete. No. I've, I've said this before, my shoulder, when I had shoulder surgery, it ruined me for six months. Like, I mean, I'm going through PT, but I was, I lost all my strength. I couldn't do anything. I had no full range of motion. So like I got way heavy, um, all sorts of stuff. So talk to us about that too. Having had already been through some adversity and you've gotten, you know, through that. And now you're kind of trying to make your way. And now you got this. Talk to us yeah. about that. So as I've said before, like junior year, we had a lot of hype going in around the area. And, you know, my goal was to win player of the year, all area player of the year. And like, I wanted to win back to back. That was like my big goal. I was like, oh, nobody's ever done that. I want to be like a two time all area player of the year. And I started off the season hot. I was averaging like 22. And then the third game, obviously, I broke my ankle. And that put me in like a state that like, honestly, I was kind of, I was kind of depressed. You know, I wasn't kind of, I was depressed. You know, you put in so much work in the off season, waking up at five in the morning, putting up 500 shots and then going after school and more 500 shots and more skill work. Um, I was super motivated. And, and then third game of the season, you break your ankle and all that work kind of just like stops and you're just like really like what is what is god trying to teach me here and you know your team ends up losing more games and you're still on the sidelines and this is the game that you've loved and you've wanted to like i've worked all all summer for this for these moments and kind of like you know personally like you know those acc accolades you know you think start to slip away because you missed 10 games so that doesn't really like matter to like the press the press and things like that and then Obviously, it was hard to get back in the groove with our team coming back and then our other uh, point guard, you know, getting injured as well. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was I, I didn't tell a lot of people this, but my family kind of knew like mentally an injury is just not the same for a while. It's just not the same. And I was just depressed. Uh, I had to get out like a little slump for sure and started to, you know, do do shots with one foot on my own and sitting there every day at practice just icing it it was rough man i totally understand that and i, I know there's a lot of people out there that that understand it as well when you go through an injury it's not easy especially yeah. one like that and, and it's not just the physical thing it's the mental thing that goes through your mind because everything you've worked for gets halted that and you don't understand <laughs> you just mentioned 500 shots how long dude this is the type of work you're putting in lawyer 500 shots in the morning how long does it take you to shoot 500 shots just so people can have an understanding of that well, I would shoot it on the machine, and it even takes like two hours doing that, <laughs> Dude. making five hundred. And that's that's on the shooting machine. I couldn't imagine imagine just a rebounder. But yeah, oh man, it's it's tiring. It's a lot of work. And then after school, I was doing the same thing on the shooting machine. We had the gun at the school, and I was just repping it on that. And I was trying to make like 800, 900 shots a day. Dude, so you're putting in three, four, five hours of work, and then you know you're doing that consistently and got yourself in a good spot. Yeah, only to fall to an ankle injury. So when you finally got healthy, what did you did you make any promises to yourself or to anyone? Like, what did you decide to do? Like, as soon as you were healthy, what was the feeling like, lawyer? When you were like, okay, I'm coming back at it, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do all I can. Like, what was your feeling and what was your mentality coming back into it? Yeah, I mean. My ankle, like, so throughout my junior year, I was only, like, 80%. 
just because in ankle injuries, those haunt you forever. Even even today, it still bugs me sometimes. Like, yep. finally, like a year and a half later, I'm starting to, like, my ankle's starting to feel normal again. But, yeah, coming back through the season, like, our record, we had a losing record at the time. And, like, my goal, I was just like, screw it. Like, I don't care what anybody else says. Like, we're going to go to state. Like, that's the goal here. We're going to go to state with, like, a losing record. And my mentality was to go out there and kill and and, and make people remember again, like, who was who was running it before and and stuff like that so that was that was kind of my mentality going in just having that killer mindset yeah i can tell you got it you got that killer mindset i love that man so we go into your senior year bro like it, it's unbelievable what you have been able to put up like so just for, <laughs> for reference here we're gonna we're gonna put this here in the description we were talking about it uh, briefly before, but I also heard you talking to AJ about it on on the Instagram live with EBC Basketball. Yeah. Shout out to EBC Basketball. AJ's done a phenomenal job covering um, Idaho high school sports. Um, listen to this, though. 40, 50, 90. We're going to let you break that down. What does 40, 50, 90 mean so that people can hear? You're a 40, 50, 90 guy. That is ridiculous. But what is the 40, 50, 90? So 40% from three-point line, 50% from the field, and 90% from the free throw line. So from the three, so my bad, 40% from the three point line, 90% from the free throw line and uh, 50% from the field. And all I got to say is yes. efficiency. Efficiency is key there. Right? So you got a big time efficient player in lawyer Jakes. So I'm going to ask you real quick and I, I, I muted your mic on my, my side real quick. Cause it was giving me some feedback just as an FYI. I'll unmute you. So tell us real quick about that because i always tell people lebron james is an efficient player lebron james is this efficient guy everyone's like you love him or hate him but the guy's efficient he's shooting in the the 40 from the field consistently but talk to us about that because it's one thing to shoot 500 shots on a machine but to be able to shoot 40 percent from the three-point line 50 percent from the field and 90 percent oh my gosh dude that's that's unbelievable it's unheard of that's like steph curry type numbers okay that's that's what i would put it to but what college coach doesn't want to see that, right? You want to be efficient because that's you can be on the court. But what made you want to be so? It's I guess you're just dynamic and 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 lethal from everywhere on the court. So, no efficiency is huge. Being five eleven and from a small town, averaging twenty five points on thirty percent, you know, forty percent is is not really going to get you recruited, right? Nobody likes you know inefficient scores. It's just like that's that's what we call ball hogs uh our inefficient scores um but um yeah being efficiency is huge percentages now like analytically today with how 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 the game has changed like people want efficient shooters and so like as i said before being you know 511 my kid from idaho falls idaho you're gonna have to separate yourself from the pack and i think i really did that with shooting this year because you know, 180 shooters are unheard of, and in high school basketball, it's unheard of, and so NBA it, even. It's yeah, hard. it's unreal, and that so. is that's what's so cool about it is you were able to you were able to do this at 5'11", First off, and we didn't talk about your your height before. Now now we get to talk about your height. Forty percent from the, the three point line, fifty percent from the field, ninety percent from the free throw line. You're an efficient player. You're a dependable player. One of the things I can't stand lawyer as a, as a basketball player myself and just a fan of the game is like, we've got dudes on the court, even at the NBA level who, you know, they're great and all, but come the last two and a half, three minutes of the game, you can't have them on the court because they can't hit their free throws. One of my biggest things is can't hit your free throws. You're a 90% free throw shooter that I am huge about free throws. So I actually want first, before we get into your height, 
let's talk about free throws and how important those are. Everybody knows me, yes. that knows that I freaking, I'll never stop talking about free throws. I get so <laughs> mad at teams that can't hit their free throws. It's the easiest shot in the world. But what, what do you like have in your mindset to shoot a free throw and like what makes it so smooth for you? So these um, listeners can, can figure this out. Some of these other athletes around we here. We always, in practice, we'll always be like, it's free. I mean, it's a free point. Uh, so just jokingly, it's, it's free. But um, yeah, going, stepping up to the line, I always like adrenaline in games. I always like just to take a little step back from the free throw line, take a deep breath, and then go through my routine and just kind of like focus on the rim for about two seconds. And then all the mes- muscle memory just clicks in and just flick your wrist. And, you know, after you've repped it out so many times, it just becomes like automatic. And then in practice, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll play this game a lot called, we call, I call it free throw fun. And so, you know, making like a hundred free throws in a row is, is fun and all, but to a point like you want to, you want to challenge yourself. So we do, what I do is you have five shots. You have to hit five different shots and you have to do it all in a row. So you hit, you shoot, you have to hit front iron, make back iron, make swish free shot and then backboard. Um, so your ball has to, you have to shoot it. It has to hit the front of the rim, go in, then shoot it back iron, go in, and then you have to swish it, and then you have a free shot. So whatever happens, and then you have to bank it in for your last shot. So we, I got my team on that, and um, we play that. We would run that all the time after practice, just a little competition thing, and I think that helped a lot with my with my free throws. Just manipulating the shot all the time, um, it helps. Dude, it doesn't matter how it goes in. You know how to make it either way. Yeah. I love that, dude. That's a cool. Try it out that it's I will be. That I'm. I'm clipping this. I. I can already <laughs> tell everybody right now. I'm gonna clip this. I'm gonna have this as a little side thing so yeah. I can remember this. So I can go do that stuff. So, and I want all the the listeners, even the kids that are that I coach and those who are part of the clubs and anybody around here, listen to that little clip right there. That's <laughs> that's awesome, lawyer. So. At 5'11", though, okay, the reality is I tell people this all the time. Like, I'm 6'2", and I was a, I was a short guard, okay? Mm-hmm. So when, when I played for Meridian back in those six, um, so that's that's when I graduated. But I remember, like, I was literally one of the smallest guards. Like, I would guard dudes who are 6'4", 6'5", because at the Division One level, the NBA level, that's the guard size is 6'4", 6'5". That is a shooting guard size. Point guards yeah. are even 6'3", these days. It's it's kind of just the reality of, of how it is, um, especially in the United States where – our best athletes are playing basketball. That's just how it is. Like yeah. other countries, best athletes play soccer. Our best athletes play basketball and then football. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got tall dudes, five eleven, being able to hold your own out there. I want to know, like, what are, are you hitting the weights? What is your what is your workout routine outside of just shooting? You know, and, and obviously you can put the ball up there. How do you? How are you so durable? You know, at yeah. coming off an injury and being able to hold your own. Yeah. So. Uh... Being crafty is huge, you know, just getting getting your shot off and change your pace or are big into it. But um yeah, I've I started hitting the weight room pretty hard going into my sophomore year and I've kind of just stayed consistent with it throughout throughout the whole process. And so my daily routine, I, I wake up, um, I go lift and then I do skills training and then towards the end of the day it's just more just stationary stuff, kinda light work because you're kind of drained from know the lifting and the skills training just just putting up shots that's kind of what i do six days a week it varies but mostly six days a week two times a day every once in a while i'll try to fit in the the stationary shooting throughout it just if i'm not feeling like too good if my skill session was you know average and i didn't feel like i made enough shots or you know my shot was short or whatever i want to put up more so 
that's that's kind of the the daily thing throughout the week. Okay, so tell us this then, like for those who are like, okay, that sounds cool. How many hours of work? And this is on top of being a student. So how yeah. many hours of work are you putting in on the basketball side of things, including weights and skills training and shooting and all that stuff? How many do you think per day you put in hours on top of being a student? Yeah, probably about two and a half. And okay. you don't need to be in the in the gym for like three, four hours a day. Like I, I come in, I, I get about a skill session, about an hour and a half, just straight work, game-like reps. Like you're going to be exhausted. And then, as I've said before, I'm doing some stationary shooting as well. And, and that takes about, you know, half an hour to an hour, nothing too crazy. And then as you, you know, you do that gradually, game reps, five, six times a week, it just, you really start to see your game like improve skyrocket and that's one thing i did going into my senior season was just like i came into the gym with a purpose and all the time came into the gym with a purpose and i knew exactly what i was going to work on that day and what i was going to do and i went hard every single drill like drain 30 minutes in and then i'm like shoot i got an hour left oh. take a little break and then back at it so I love that coming to the gym with a purpose, you know, yeah. it's, it goes back to that phrase, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Like you have to have a plan love when you it. come in to do anything. Right. Yes. And so you did that. You came in there with a purpose. You knew what you were going to do for your workouts. And this is on top of being a student. This is what it takes to get to that next level. You, now, you know, you've had a good season. We're going to talk about the, the way that your season ended and um, some other things too. And then we'll yeah. talk about what, what's coming for you as we wrap that up. But, uh, this is what it takes, listeners out there. And this doesn't just have to be Idaho people. This is what it takes to get to the next level. You've got to be willing to put in the work. You're going game reps. You're not just coming in there, dinking around, shooting a ball. You've mm -hmm. got to be doing game reps, which everybody knows there's difference between game speed and then just shooting around speed. You've got yeah. to put yourself in situations coming off screens, little tiny things. You're going to be at different angles coming off, you know, just trying to get body balance, all that kind of stuff. So you're crafty. Obviously, you knew you had to work on stuff being 5'11", so this is the type of work that it requires. You're doing yes. the work that's required. Um, how about this? Let's talk about this. So everyone's like, okay, cool. We've heard about his uh, his junior year. He broke his ankle, and it didn't finish the way they wanted necessarily, but he still worked hard. Sophomore year, all that stuff. They were building the culture there. Um, but senior year, I mean, you guys had an amazing season, regular season, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the ups and downs of this senior year of yours because obviously, like, okay, he's a 40, 50, 90 guy. What happened this year? Did you guys win the state championship? People might be asking that if they're not from Idaho. So yeah, talk to us about your senior year. No, our senior year is great. We finished the the season nineteen and three, which is you know a great record in high school basketball. Uh, and then we ended up no eighteen and three. We finished the season eighteen and three. Going into postseason play, we ended up finishing the season nineteen and five. So for those viewers out there, see how we went in the postseason. But um. Yeah, we had we had a great season. We beat some, we had some signature wins. We beat Madison, which was the first one in school his, history for us. Never beating them the the two years before, and you know you know how they are. They're kind oh, of yeah. a powerhouse in Eastern Idaho, and they they have a great culture and consistently win every year. Uh, we beat Rigby as well, who was always beating us the years before, and we beat them twice this year as well. And and we also beat Lake City, who who ended up playing in the state championship this year. And that was a huge win for us, too. So we had a lot of signature wins. Big time, big time wins. Um, not probably the finish you guys wanted to have. No. And that's just the reality of it. So the way Idaho works for the listeners out there, we don't really. And that's the other thing is like other states, you got district, you got regionals, all sorts yeah. of things. You got like 
20 different games just to get into the state championship after your or state tournament after your regular season's over. In Idaho, it's literally districts. Um, and some some districts actually have like two, three, four chances to get into the state tournament. We yeah. have it a, a little bit different. So um, that's why it's it's just it's unfortunate when you have such a promising regular season and then the district, it, it could just all go wrong in districts. Like, yep. yeah, that's your chance to get into state. Talk to us about those last two games, like the two losses that you guys suffered. What was going through your mind? And uh, how did you face that as a leader on that team? How did you, you know, how did you handle the loss? So we played in the district. We won our first round and we are a first seed. So we got a second round bye. Um, so we played, we got a uh, district championship, home court advantage as well. We're playing Madison again. And last time we played them, we beat them. And they come in and they went 10 for 15 from three. Like they're shooting the lights out. We ended up losing by like 12. And, you know, it, it sucked because we really wanted that district championship for the school. And, you know, this would be the first ones to ever have the, the basketball district championship would be awesome on our record. And so, um, and obviously you punch your ticket to state with that. We ended up losing in the locker room. Everybody's kind of upset. And then I was like, hey, like we have another, we have another shot at it. We play Rigby on Thursday. And we've beaten them twice this season. Um, let's let's keep our head down. Let's have a good couple of days at practice, and let's go out and beat these guys and punch our ticket to state. Uh, Thursday comes around, we're leading. You know, we're playing great, moving the ball well, shooting well. Uh, we go into halftime up by sixteen, <laughs> up by sixteen going into halftime. Second half comes out, we come out flat. Rigby, you know, makes a run. Uh, we have nothing really much to to really bounce back at it, and it's a tight game all the way through. And I ended up having a chance to to hit the game winner. We were down by two. Yeah, we were down by two, and the kid missed the free throw to make it three. And I get the ball with like four seconds rest and come down the court and shoot a contested three and hit back iron. And we end up losing. Got you know upsetted by Rigby, and they punched their ticket to state. And, Right then and there, my my senior season and my high school career was over. Guys, I know there's a lot of you out there who listen to my podcast and you've told me, I want to start my own podcast or I need to build a website or write some blogs or design a social media post. You know what? Go over to Sportsypreneur. The team at Sportsy can make that happen for you. Remember, Sportsypreneur is the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide. So make sure to go to sportsy.io. They'll take care of you or connect with their founder at Eric underscore Kaz on Twitter. That's E-R-I-C underscore K-A-Z. You know, that's it's as an athlete, that's devastating, right? We hear that. A lot of us have been there um, on both ends, so the yeah. good side and the bad. And as a leader, obviously you're saying that you're describing that it actually like makes me feel bad. Like, cause I'm like, ah, oh, cause you're like, you had the chance and I'm sure like as a competitor, all the work you put in, yeah. you had the chance. And that's kind of like the moments you live you for. Live like, for okay, it, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it hits back iron. Obviously you remember it in detail as you're talking about it about two months later, three months later, whatever it is. And so you remember that, but I'm curious, you know, um, in basketball, they talk about weathering the storm. Like there's always the storm, like the 10 0 run and the, you know, and I heard people talk about this all the time. But the best basketball players are the ones who navigate the storm. That doesn't necessarily mean you win the game, but it's navigating the storm. You have these yeah. – sometimes they go on a run. Uh, you were up 16, uh, and, and ended up – you know, the team loses it in the, the second half, and you lose the game. There was probably a storm that came at you. The storm is when that run's going. How do you navigate the storm? Um, and obviously, the storm continued as you guys ended up losing. I, I'm curious, though, how did you navigate the storm, lawyer, 
afterwards, how long, you know, did you get back in the gym? How did you pick your teammates up knowing the season was over, senior year's done for basketball? Like some of them may never play again, you know, yeah. that's the reality of it. But I want to know how you navigated the storm um, following that. So, you know, after a game, you know, at the locker room is everybody's crying and it's just like, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not fun. Uh, right. I mean, especially being in a situation where like you should have went, like everybody expected you to go and you, you choked. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, just, I didn't really get back into the gym until like two weeks after just because, you know, I, I wanted to take a little break, you know, the season's kind of hard on you mentally and physically. And so took a little mental break and physical break. And then we had, I actually had the all state all-star game coming up. So kind of got prepared for that the week going into it and just trained and got some shots up and, that was fun. That was a good atmosphere, and we ended up winning the game, upset the uh, the Boise Metro team, <laughs> put on for the the, out, the other kids out of the state. So, uh, but yeah, navigating it, just like helping the people like uh, that weren't gonna play basketball again. You know, that was their last basketball game ever, and being me, I kind of had a sense of security uh, because I knew I was gonna play again. And so just helping those guys and talking them through it because I couldn't imagine not being able to play again uh, for, you know, after high school. That would be crazy. And just just talking through it and, you know, hey, like if you ever want to come play pickup, like let me know, blah, blah, blah. Like I'll, I got you. And just just little things like that and just helping them out. And even for the people, you know, some of the seniors that didn't play, just like, hey, man, like you were a huge part for the season practice those couple minutes you did come in, like you played great, like help give them that sense of reassurance was, was huge for them. I like that. I love hearing that. That's kind of the leadership skills that you need to, you know, everybody needs to be taking note. You need to have those, um, especially to play the next level. Leadership is super, super important. It doesn't always mean winning games. Uh, it's, it's the other little things that happen. I, it takes me back to my junior year in high school. We were terrible. My junior year, we were all waiting for our senior year. We knew our senior year yeah. was going to be good. But our junior year, we were awful. Won like five games. Not, I think we only won four. But we found ourselves in the position in the in the district tournament to get into the state tournament. Um, yes, sir. We, we were like, oh, we're going to make it, right? And it was back and forth. We're playing Centennial. Should have beat them. Um, we, I mean, and we knew if we won, we would be playing Eagle in the state tournament first round. And we had actually beaten Eagle. And they didn't like us because we had a weird matchup. It was just a weird. Yeah. It was just they were number one seed. We had a weird matchup against them, and they didn't like us. And so we were all like, "Oh, nothing to lose." But anyways, we ended up losing. And it's funny you say that. We had a a shot. Um, my buddy pulled up from the free throw line. We were down by two, but he pulled up from the free throw line, misses it back iron. We get the rebound. It doesn't go in. Then we get another rebound. We had a three on two advantage at the last second. We missed. Th we missed two layups to to in the game, so we lost. And I remember the locker room afterwards. That was the end of our season. And I was a junior, so we knew our senior year we were going to be okay. Yeah. There were a lot of seniors on that team, um, and there, there was a lot of tears that were shed. But I do remember one guy in particular, Stephen Danforth, in the locker room as we're all bawling. And I was, like, not even a big part of that team, but I, we were all bawling because that was the end of the – I mean, it was yeah. crazy. And, uh, yeah, he he stood up, and he made sure to be – and I've always remembered that. I mean, you know, 15 years later, I still remember that to this day, like how he got up and the stuff that he said in the locker room to pick everybody up. And then he told the juniors themselves, like, hey, you guys better keep it up next year. And – you know, he, he set the tone for us next year. He never played another game of basketball. That was his last game ever. So yeah. it's just kind of cool seeing the, the leadership. That's why I wanted to ask that question. Um, now, now's the important stuff. We're going to the division one level, fourth grade goal. You've always had lawyer. You wanted to play division one. 
Tarleton State, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. I don't know if I'm mispronouncing that or not. No, that's right. Because I've I've been looking them up. I mean, ever since I've been hearing about you, I've been looking them up a little bit. What was the decision to go there? Because this is interesting. Because they're in the whack, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They and are. Uh, yeah, and so they're they're a school out of Texas. But I'm curious, what what caused you to want to go there? I mean, you went to th- are they out of Texas? Am I saying that right? Yeah, they're out of Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yes, sir. You're going there. Thunder Ridge was one of those situations too. It's like a newer school. Like not a lot of people knew of it, obviously. Now, now you're going here. You, it's kind of feels like it's part of your DNA, but what, what was the decision that uh, drove you to, to Tarleton state? So it's only going, going there this year. It's going to be their second year in division one. So they, they made the jump from D2 to D1. Um, the coach, Billy Gillespie. I mean, that, that guy, he, uh, he's SEC coach of the year, WAC coach of the year. Um, coach at Kentucky, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, the the high majors, and he's coached over 46 NBA players. And you know he's a hard nosed coach, and he's going to ask a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of you um, from player standpoint, and he's going to push you. And so that was huge going into my decision. Just like the coach being able to be coached by you know this guy, he's he's coached the best, and you know it was an honor of, that he like recruited me and. So that was that showed a lot um, from being from him, his his standpoint, uh, recruiting a kid out of Idaho. Uh, it meant a lot to me. And obviously uh, my cousin, my basketball trainer, he lives in Texas, too. And he's only like 45, 50 minutes away. And so that played a good part in my player development as well. So he'd come drive up and we'll get after it down there and consistently. So that was huge for me. So cool. What are you most excited for to at the division one level? Now that you're, this is a dream yeah. that's like a reality. Now, what are you most excited for, man? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about sometimes. Like sometimes you catch yourself like, dang, but, um, the playing arenas really, uh, just playing like these huge arenas and play against these, uh, our non-conference schedule. We play like Baylor, Gonzaga, Texas, and, all these big name schools and like, you know, Baylor just came off a national championship. Yeah. So just being able to compete at a high level and, you know, play against great players and, and a great atmosphere and, and just put on for, for Idaho and, and for Tarleton will be awesome. So, so sick. So tell, uh, tell the people in Tarleton that may not know too much about you yet. What's the biggest thing outside of your skill set? We know, I mean, 40, 50, 90, we already know that yeah. you're, you're, you're a hell of a good basketball player. Pardon my language for anybody who's offended by that, but you're, you're unbelievably talented uh, from a basketball standpoint, but what are you bringing to Tarleton outside of just the skill set they can be looking forward to? No, I'm, I'm bringing a, an intensity and a, a winning culture, you know, coming in, making everybody work in practice and, and just having great leadership qualities and, you know, setting an example for, you know, being a, a, a kid from Idaho and just want to work hard and lead by example in that way. And just, you know, I'm going to be a point guard and that's kind of the captain of the team and just set the record straight and, you know, learn from learn from the people above me as well and just take a lot of info in and just grind every day in practice. You know, winning the ladder drills, winning the small things, just, you know, representing. Oh man, it's so cool. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, you've just talked about your work ethic. Like we've heard about it. Like you're, you're yeah, it's, you're not foreign to, to work, you know yeah. how to work. And that's the biggest thing I keep telling people, like, there's no secret recipe. Like it, you got to work, but you know that you've built that foundation and it's probably only going to get harder and harder as you continue to go, but you've already set the foundation for yourself for understanding sure. that and you're going to come in there with that mentality. You're a winner. 
uh, a winning mindset. You've built that. That doesn't, that's not normal, right? Like, cause like people think like, Oh, like everybody wins. No, no, no. no. There's a lot of guys who play sports their whole life. They don't know what it's like to win. So they don't expect mm -hmm. to win. So can you tell me about that? Having been at that program at Thunder Ridge where you guys, you know, hadn't had a winning season and then you go into this season. So you understand the winning mindset versus the non-winning mindset. Yeah. What, how did you guys make that shift and how do you want to make sure that everybody else that you play with from now on understands the difference? Just, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. And coming into practice, you have to go 110% all the time and stay locked in. You know, you don't want to get satisfied is like the biggest thing. I feel like sometimes at Thunder Ridge, we got satisfied. And I feel like that, that still haunts me to this day. Like, uh, like we could have done a bit more in practice. We could have went a little bit harder in games. And so learning from that and just going to Tarleton, I don't want to make that same mistake. And so that's, that's my goal going into it. And if that means I have to push the starters or the, the bench players will push me, whatever it is, I want to win wherever I go. And so that's, that's the plan. Always stay hungry. You know, yeah. if you ever study Kobe Bryant from a, a deep standpoint, like the, the book, uh, Relentless by Tim Grover, for those who have read it. Um, but that's the same concept. I just talked to Kobe Carl, who played with Kobe Bryant, and and he was talking about the Crazy. whole concept. Like, yeah, he's just there's a whole like always stay hungry. Like he was, you, you're always never be satisfied. What exactly what you just said. And as long as you can stay that way and you can continue to put in the work, people will follow that. They'll see that. Like, okay, because um, having a winning culture is it's not easy, but it is yeah. most certainly worth it. It's always better in sports when you win. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've always said like uh, going into my recruiting, like talking to players down there and they're like, no, like coach Gillespie, he's hard. Like it's all mental with him. And, and like being a player, like if you're losing and you're getting, you know, practice sucks and you're getting pushed and like, like not necessarily like being lazy, but your coach is on you and you're losing and stuff like that sucks. Right. But you're winning and you're, you're waking up at six in the morning and you're running and then you have weights and another practice and, it makes it all worth it. You never, you never hear anybody say like, "Oh, winning a, a whack championships." Like, no, nah, I wish we still didn't wake up at six in the morning. But like, working the working that hard and going three times a day, like, it makes it all worth it. Winning cures everything. Cures all those late nights, those early mornings. People don't understand that. So it's like a little, it's like a drug. Winning is so. I dig that winning cures everything. <laughs> that is so true. Cause yeah. yeah, it sucks when you do all that for no reason. You might as well win, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so you're awesome. Do something like I always tell people, what's the point of playing if you're not playing to win? Like that's what makes it fun. You know, I just went golfing yesterday and uh, but he's like, yeah, I'm playing for fun. I'm like, bro, I'm not playing for fun. I'm playing for bragging right, rights right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you got the competitive spirit. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. So as we wrap it up, lawyer, tell me this, okay? Outside of basketball, what's your favorite hobbies? We're going to get a couple of quick fire questions um, at you. What's your favorite things to do outside of basketball? <laughs> I like to, <laughs> I like to juggle. Juggling is kind of fun. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's weird, but uh, yeah, I like me and my buddies. I've been trying to teach my friends how to juggle. I do that. And then I like to read as well. What's your favorite book? Um, that's a tough one. I like Mama Mentality. The Giver is a good book, though. I think Dude, that the, really, I think The Giver really sparked my love for reading. <laughs> the Giver. Yeah. Are we talking like, dude, The Giver? I read that when I was in the sixth grade, and it yeah. was literally one of the best books I've ever read. And <laughs> yeah, I don't even like think, to read that much, but it was a good book. Yeah, I think that's really like that sparked my love for reading. And then obviously the Harry Potter series is is fantastic. Dude, that's dope. And I also I learned how to juggle while I lived in Brazil. That's yeah, why I'm laughing I, that you just said yes, that. I was sir, like, not I was many in... people know how to juggle. And 
<laughs> it's fun you you know how it is it's kind of addicting yeah it so. is addicting and it's cool because like nobody can do it and then once you get the hang of it you're like yeah i got yeah. the secret sauce yeah you're just oh. like juggling people are like what let me try and they can't do it and you're just laughing it's funny so that's that's so dope okay so you that's, that's cool you're, you're a reader you like to juggle that's kind of stuff you do and then who was the biggest mentor in your life and what was the biggest lesson they taught you um my dad for sure biggest uh, lesson he, he taught me he taught me whatever you're gonna do make sure you do it 110 percent um if that's cleaning the floor make sure you get everything on the floor right just whatever you do you're gonna do it right so i think i've kind of carried on that that lesson throughout me my whole life and it's kind of got me where i am today i dig it now it's your turn to be the mentor i want to ask you this question to wrap it up lawyer if you could give any advice to the athletes coming up that are younger than you, maybe they're maybe they're in the fourth grade and they have a dream of playing Division One basketball. What would your advice be, having been through what you've been through? Um, just continue to grind. Uh, just persevere. Perseverance is huge. It's not all, you know. People think it's all an uproad and it's easy and that that people can glide through it. But you know, I've had a lot of setbacks and you'll have a lot of setbacks and. You know, you might see on YouTube that people aren't like really going through much as you are and they didn't make the team. But, you know, they've had their own little trials in their life and you just got to continue to persevere and grind. And there's no secret sauce and just work hard and have faith in, in your game and trust the work that you put in. I dig pay it. Off. I dig it, man. Thank you so much. Lawyer Driggs, ladies and gentlemen, he is going to Tarleton State Division One out of Idaho. And yes, that sir. is He's going to be representing for the good old state of Idaho, Appreciate making us all look good, right? So, lawyer, we just want to say thank you so much for joining the Game Time Guru podcast and sharing your story with the rest of us, Yes, man. sir. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.